We're rocking. Episode 200. And who better to separate or celebrate, not separate, Jesus, let's see how this goes. Episode 200, then with my friend, my amigo, my uh, editor extraordinaire, Dr. Roy Matz. He's a doctor in making everyone sound good. So I'm really glad that he's here today. And he joins us from Bali of all places. So thank you for taking a little bit of a break from the waves to join us to have some fun on this podcast today. Thank you for thanking me. And also thank you for having me as an editor, as your doctor, because it's really... It's been really a pleasure for me. Yeah. And just before we get into the the setup for today, look, Roy is the guy who makes everything sound good behind the scenes. And in fact, like you've been so proactive in making the episodes what they are, both in terms of quality of sound, but also framing questions and making sure that my voice sounds reasonable, Um, but you've been incredibly proactive. And so the way the podcast was done, even back on episodes one to, I don't know, 40 or something is completely different from how we do them today. And it's all because of this man here. So thank you. You're welcome, my guy. You're welcome. Today, episode 200, we decided we would do something different. Roy is going to ask me a handful of random questions. I have not received any of these questions beforehand. So who knows? I may stumble. I may fall. And you guys are all going to witness it here uh, pretty much live because we're releasing this episode uh, next Tuesday, which is the day before I actually get married. uh, And it's going to be a doozer. So let's go. And Roy, I am... Now open to all of your questions. Let's see what happens. Okay. So um, as uh, I told you before, these are going to be, these are actually going to be questions that I was curious about. And I'm sure that your listeners will be curious about. And actually some of your friends would be curious about because we've done a bit of thinking together. And I'm really excited for this. So let's get it going, Maine. Where do you think you've grown most since starting this podcast? Hmm. With this podcast, pretty much all aspects of my life have changed. And it's been inputs from the 150 plus guests, right? And Each one of those inputs is a micro element that has gone into a greater change. If there is one area where I have changed the most, it's probably in acknowledgement, but also dealing with and uh, really growing in the area of mental health. Meaning that for a long time, I have had issues with anxiety and particularly perfectionism that it uh, at points has overtaken my life, but a willingness to acknowledge that, to talk about it openly and to really realizing that perfectionism, particularly in an entrepreneur's life does not serve me has been 
the largest growth point since starting this podcast by far. And it's now to the point where anxiety, though it is occasionally there, it doesn't really bother me on a day-to-day basis. I've just kind of accepting of what is. So basically you've, you've done the most transformation in that area. You feel like. absolutely. Okay. That brings me, that brings me to um, the next question and we will get back to this. We will circle back to this because I have some questions about plant, plant medicine. So get ready for mm-hmm. that. But why did you start podcasting? And what was it different uh, than what you initially thought it would be? So I started podcasting because I had a free space in my life and I was looking to have smart conversations with smart people. At the time, I was relatively new to Amsterdam and you know, still building friendships here and was really looking to reach out and speak to experts around the world. The good thing about podcasting is that uh, it gives people a platform to share their advice and people uh, love sharing advice. Now, that allows me to reach out to experts around the world and not have to pay these ridiculous consulting fees. So selfishly, I started this to have smart conversations with smart people. I didn't think it would last that long. And I kind of explored uh, the idea of what the podcast would be over time. And initially, the podcast is really focused on health, technology, and these kind of biohacking concepts that uh, would could be used to amplify one's performance. And at first, I went so far away from this idea of, uh, of business because I was candidly exhausted uh, from a career in investment banking. And over the past 200 episodes, we've actually come back to really embracing the idea of the intersection between business or entrepreneurship and health. And even you saw it in episode 199, we talk almost strictly about business in that case. So if you've seen the journey over the past 200 episodes, it was going from as far as hell possible from the the business arena to talking about health and technology and how we can use these technologies to amplify our lives to Still talking about that, but bringing it much more centered around uh, particularly how a person in the business world can perform at their best without really making all of the sacrifices that are traditionally expected of people to work 120 hours a week or whatever it is. So the, the journey of the podcast has been one of going completely away from business to back to this sort of intersection between business and health. Mm. So I think that that actually uh, goes to goes goes to the next question qu- quite perfectly, which is what are uh, concepts you deeply disagree with that you thought were true in the beginning of your podcasting journey? Uh, the first and most important one is that there is some point. I initially thought when I started the podcast that there would be this point where I reach uh, quote unquote nirvana. Whereas if I just got this next gadget, I just got this next uh, point in my life, whether it be 10% body fat or below or eight hours of sleep or 
being able to get a certain HRV, I thought if I got there, that that would be it. And I would be in this state of peace and not really having to do much and life would just be grand. What's really been the 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 shift and the thing that I disagree with from most people in, in this space is that it's not about the de- the destination at all, really. It's uh, the journey that you're on, meaning that this illusory concept that you're going to reach a point where everything is perfect and life is great is an illusory concept. And the actual journey itself is what matters. The things you're doing on the journey, the uh, enjoyment of the moment has uh, has really just uh, been profound. And that's been a profound shift and something that I do disagree with from uh, what else is out there. The other thing that I will touch on here is looking at uh, technology and looking at the need to spend in order to achieve a number of these goals is something that I disagree with. And this is coming from a person who spent probably over a quarter of a million dollars at this point on optimizing my health and trying these different gadgets, these different technologies, etc. If you do that, you want to do that at a state where you have your foundations built, meaning that I I went about it initially a little bit wrong. I said that I am going to get this gadget, this toy, this thing, if you will, which makes some claims that I think will be healthy in my life. And really what was missing there was a base. I wasn't sleeping well initially. I wasn't stressing well initially. I certainly wasn't getting enough sun initially. And I wasn't exercising in a way that was conducive to... uh, a longevity type uh, mindset. And so uh, if I were to do this all again, I would start by building those foundations first, getting those tests to know exactly what I need, and then be able to go out and purchase uh, once I've had the foundations built, once I know exactly what I need because I have the lab tests, et cetera, rather than going out and buying and trying to figure it out all out myself in the first place. So I think those are two things that I completely disagree with in the current world, uh, but I'm happy to share more if you think that's that's useful, Roy. That's a strong one. And the thing that really came up, uh, you know, there's always the kid in school that has the most expensive yep. shit. Um, you know, that buys all the, the, the best gadgets, the best shoes, the best running shoes. We all had that. Uh, the person who uh, uh, buys the, 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 the best equipment for the sport, let's say for soccer, the best shoes uh, or the best ball or the best things. But these things don't, don't, don't mean shit. If you, if you don't have the foundations, right. If you're not practicing your soccer actually, yeah, um, per se. And um, I really love that point. So what's your philosophy around, because you've spent uh, around a quarter million on this kind of stuff. What's your investment philosophy about it right now? So is it first test, then buy, try uh, uh, one thing, or test, try a bunch of things? Or what's your philosophy with that when it comes, because you do come from the investing world. I know it doesn't necessarily have to do with that, but um, what's your mentality about that? Sure. So 
if uh, first the first step in this is identification. You want to identify uh, what is uh, missing, and in most cases, it's a multifactorial answer, right? So you're looking at uh, you know a particular situation in your life, and you find or you think initially that you know red light is the answer, but maybe it's not just red light. Maybe it's something else. And so you hinted at a good point. Uh, so I run tests on myself uh, anywhere from every day with something like my Aura Ring or in some cases a Whoop uh, to once every six months. And really those six month periods are the time for me to evaluate my routines, uh, my protocols for myself, et cetera. And so every six months I'm running uh, a micronutrient test. I'm running a gut test. I'm running uh, a food sensitivities test, and I'm really tracking biological age over time to understand if the stuff I am doing is working towards my goals. I'm also tracking things like body fat, et cetera. And uh, so once I have all of that data, I can very clearly identify where there are instances of need. So for me right now, one of the key focuses for me is gut health. Uh, it's predominantly related to a parasite that I contracted a number of years ago and has been very, very difficult to get rid of. But in identifying that there is a, a parasite there, well, what other factors are contributing to that gut health. Well, is it the food that I'm eating? Sure. There's certain instances of that. Is it the supplements that I'm taking or the supplements that I need? Sure. There are instances of that. So once I have my data set, I lay it out and I say, where are the opportunities here for improvement? And then I've listed out my opportunities for improvement and if you have the opportunity to really just throw shit against the wall and see what sticks, that's okay, but it's a great way to waste money. Otherwise, I can look for what is the Archimedes lever for boosting my my performance in this case. Like what what do I need to what is the domino that I push that makes all of the rest of the dominoes fall or the most dominoes fall as possible? And lab testing allows you to do that. So once I've I've identified that domino, then I'll attack. Maybe it is. Wait, wait, one second. One second. What are the three tests again? So the three tests are around micronutrients. So it's called a a NutriVal. The second test is a three-day stool test that I get. And that uh, I I look at three-day stool tests rather than one-day stool tests because over the course of three days, uh, you're much more likely to clear stool that's been in your microbiome rather than in one case, not everybody clears uh, everything uh, at once, let's say. Uh, So I do a three-day stool test. And then the third one is food sensitivities. All of those provide unique insights. One is low-grade inflammation, uh, particularly looking at immunoglobulins, and we'll have an episode on glycans coming out soon. Uh, And then the second one is micronutrients. So what supplements do I need? What supplements are working for me, et cetera? And then the third one is that stool test. So I'm looking at inflammation within my gut. I'm looking at maldigestion. You know, are these foods that I'm eating getting processed appropriately? And I'm looking at, uh, you know, just really, do I have the presence of parasites? And so uh, again, for me, that has 
that provides a data set that allows me to operate with much more information and much more precision when it comes to making decisions about my health. And so then I can identify where I need to do the work. And usually that is a multitude of places. It can be anywhere from sleep to stress to nutrition, et cetera. And then of that, I will prioritize. And so I will try to uh, tackle the micronutrients through nutrient balancing, then that's sort of an all-at-once uh, nutrition and supplement protocol. But with gut health, you know, what is the aspect of gut health that could make the rest of my gut feel better? Uh, so in that case, that was the parasite identification. And then from there, it's just sort of, okay, how do you deal with it? And so I've gone from really uh, that whole throwing shit against the wall strategy and seeing what sticks to breaking it down into the constituent parts and really spending the time to identify, to understand what is needed by my biochemistry in order to help me uh, perform optimally. And sometimes it requires looking outside of your biochemistry into your environment or this whole field of exposomics to understand what is uh, really impacting you in, in a different way. For instance, air pollution is huge for a lot of people. Uh, uh, other things like the health of your oral microbiome, uh, the light quality that you're getting. You can see this light behind me right now if you're watching this on YouTube, that there is a, a vitamin D lamp behind me because Amsterdam, at least based on Almanac stats, gets around 67 days of sunlight a year. That's not really great for vitamin D levels or vitamin D production. And so one of the ways that I can get that is by uh, building my own UVB light. And so right now the strategy is very data-driven. It's always been pretty data-driven, but it's incredibly data-driven in terms of shaping the decisions and becoming more accurate, more precise with those decisions. Cool. ba bam. Okay, that's enough. Uh, episode 200, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> bro you dropped so many things uh I, I feel like people have to go to their notebooks after this and really uh my biggest takeaway from this is the fact guys that i have friends that have cabinets and cabinets and cabinets of vitamins uh and that have spent so much money that wasn't well spent on just throwing shit at the wall and i think they could have and I can, I've been sending in that as well, you know, uh, um, just like thinking, oh, I have a skin pro uh, problem. I probably need this or, um, or uh, I'm probably not getting enough sun. So I'm probably going to have to do this to actually understanding the fundamentals of what you are doing wrong and right. Yeah. And that's the biggest, biggest takeaway is that the investment in actually testing these things actually can actually make you walk towards your 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 i guess healthiest self um which sounds a bit of a cliche to me you know because every every uh every person here in bali is trying to work towards their healthiest self um but you've got to do the work yeah you got to do the fundamental work which you've just laid out so perfectly um I want to ask you another thing. What's one thing you can think of that, let's say in the past year or two that you've unlearned? I, I, 
while I uh, come up with a, a better answer to this, um, let, let's the first one that comes to mind is perfectionism, of course. And I think it is something that if you're going to decide, and there's a lot of people now because the barriers to entry are lower than ever, uh, it, that want to explore this idea of entrepreneurship. And if you're an entrepreneur, one of the first things that I recommend trying to unlearn is perfectionism because you'll spend months and months and months trying to update uh, a website because you don't think it's perfect. It, but the truth is it'll never be perfect. And so just release and iterate. That is uh, the one of the first mm. things that uh, I unlearned and, and still in the process of unlearning at times. Uh, the second one, which has actually been very, very helpful, is uh, unlearning rigidity in a schedule. What do I mean by that? I used to be the type of person, and I've given lectures on productivity and stuff like that, who uh, would schedule my entire day, minute by minute almost. And that can actually create a lot of anxiety in it uh, in itself, right? Like if somebody's late for a call, even though it may be like an easy thing to do or, or uh, a certain reason, it can create anxiety. And now I embrace sort of what Jeff Bezos calls uh, putzing. And if you look at my day, with the exception of when I have to talk to Roy when he's in Bali, it my day, nothing starts before 11 a.m. And what does that allow me to do? It gives me free time to work on my most important projects, to check in with San Francisco and the team over at Transcriptions, to uh, get my workouts in, to learn something new. And I have a little bit of fluidity in that schedule that I didn't have before. If you look at my calendar, there's nothing scheduled before 11 a.m., meaning that I don't even schedule the workouts too. Now, there is a point with people that it is helpful to schedule things. If you are inherently lazy, then it may be a good idea to put things on the schedule to force you to do stuff. But if you get to the point of this whole perfectionism or even trying to schedule a day minute by minute, trying that those gaps where you're allowing yourself some free time to putz, to explore, to learn, uh, that has been a game changer for me. And I know for a fact that has contributed to uh, the incredible decrease in anxiety that I've had for the first time really in my entire life. Boom. Okay. That brings me to a whole different area, but you mentioned working out and um, I want to, I, I just want to run through the questions because we're going to circle back to so many of the things that you've said. <laughs> um, but as we've talked about, you know, like uh, um, biohacking and kind of buying toys and realizing what you need for your um, cabinet, let's per se. What do you do when it comes to working out in that sense? So do you use these tests for your workout or do you do different tests? What's your outlook on that? Sure. So going back to the tests that I use, uh, there are three tests that I use uh, looking at micronutrients. And within that test, there's also looking at heavy metals and oxidative stress. And I'll come back to that in a second. You look at gut health and there is a correlation 
if you will, almost not a dose-dependent curve, but a uh, an inverse U curve with working out and gut health. Uh, and then there's a, a food influ- um, food and sensitivities test. And now on top of that, I'm also looking at biological age and I'm looking at body fat. And so all of those can actually input on uh, what type of workouts or how intense I go. Uh, if you look at gut health, uh, there is, and I, I've been trying to find the study, but it was referenced to me when I was speaking with a mentor, uh, there is some correlation between athletes and poor gut health or dysbiosis. And just trying to achieve that balance, if you will, of not going overboard to cause dysbiosis or overtraining is something that I'm very cognizant of and looking at those tests helped me do it. Oxidative stress. If you look at uh, inflammation uh, being a product of oxidative stress or vice versa, uh, oxidative stress can come from working out. And so if you live a life as I did in finance, where I was working out too much, not sleeping, traveling all the time, and just stressed out, that can produce oxidative stress. And over a prolonged period of time, it can lead to adverse conditions. Uh, those That all goes into informing my decision on my workout program. Uh, that is also coupled with a body fat goal because I know that uh, I have a family history of obesity that I am constantly trying to avoid. And so the the body fat goal is, is certainly incorporated in that and informs the workouts that I do. Just based on my experimentation over time, I know that there are certain types of workouts that help me keep that body fat down. And there are certain types of workouts where I will put on uh, more size. And for me, it's no longer a question of uh, like trying to compete in a bodybuilding competition or even uh, trying to uh, compete at a higher weight class in a powerlifting competition. It's more of a, a question of longevity, but with uh, certain benefits like general physical preparedness and being able to do whatever I want at any given time. Yeah, Peter Atias talks about it beautifully, in my opinion. I've, I've been uh, geeking on his uh, researches and all the stuff, yeah. amazing work that he does. Uh, and I hope that we're going to. We're going to have him on the show at some point. but um, Him and I can talk about F1 forever too. So that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, so the, the, so what, what you're saying, let's just like put it in more of a concise box is basically taking these tests, taking your lifestyle seeing uh, and, and tailoring it to where you are in life. Yeah. So basically there's not, not a one fits all. There's, uh, uh, actually a few that would probably fit to for every person. Yeah. And if, and, and it kind of sounds like something that can repeat itself, you know, once you know that mechanism, of course it changes a little bit to here and to here because, you know, we're not getting any younger, but it's, uh, 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 it's a, a mechanism that once you're tapped into, you can do it. I mean, pretty easily. If you, if you know what your, your, your meters should look like and, um, and what you need to do to achieve them. And also what time you have available, right? And so there's going to be different time periods in life where, you know, I suspect that later this year, I'm going to have less time available than I do now. 
or I suspect mm. that if I had kids, I would have less time available. And you have to adjust based on that. But right. there is that going back to that idea of fluidity, I don't have to be as rigid as I, I used to be with my workouts. I can um, embrace different modalities and try things out because also, after all, like if you do the same thing every day in and day out for years, unless you have a trainer, you're going to get bored as hell. And so it's good to, to change those up every once in a while and adjust to where you are in life. And also, uh, in, 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 in addition to boring, it's not only boring, but it's also, it gets your body in a certain, it gets you moving a certain way and it gets you, uh, um, your body expecting certain things. That's why I think uh, play is really important that we talked about it last time, actually, and, mm-hmm. you know, play and doing things that are unexpected and going, I actually thought of going climbing today or doing something that's unusual to your body. Um, I think that that's a huge, huge, huge thing that people need to incorporate more of. And same goes to me, you know? Um, yeah. So, I want to I wanna take you to a more personal place right now because I did, I did say that we're going to take it to a more personal place. Mm-hmm. What was your lowest, lowest moment in the, the, this realm of time since you've started uh, podcasting? How did it look? Hmm. Uh, very difficult question, my friend. Um, so uh, I, I'm not going to name people or anything, but if you were to go back in time uh, and it was kind of not early fall, but late summer, uh, a couple of years ago, there was a point in time where I had a, a lot going on. And I was trying to run a business uh, with people I didn't generally enjoy working with. And I was at that point um, allergic to the idea of failure, meaning that I thought failure meant that I had failed across everything and that was going to be my entire life. And this actually gets into the introduction, by the way, of things like psychedelics and other things. Um, and I accepted, or I, I took a look at the the sort of playground, if you will, or the, the ground in the game that I was playing. And I, I had this moment where I just said, hey, what I'm doing right now is leading me down a path that I don't want to go down. And it is doing that with people that I am not necessarily uh, fond of speaking to every day. And it is uh, making me more stressed than happy. And that was, again, uh, over, over a year ago now, several years ago. And with uh, the help of a few other people that are now uh, very involved in uh, in my life and things that I do, uh, I decided to pull the plug on that opportunity. And by doing so, I was actually able to step back and decide what game did I want to play. Uh, 
because, and it didn't, at that time, it was very, very stressful. You know, money was going out the door because I was funding this all myself. Uh, we weren't making that much money at the time on the product project. And yeah, there was this inherent uh internal conversation about the value of money, of course, but it was very, very hard for me to look back on it and say, or to look at it and say like, Hey, this isn't working in this form. And it was making me very upset. I was blowing up, uh, you know, I was blowing up other opportunities in order to make this one work because it was mine. It was my baby. And then Ultimately, I arrived at the decision to pull the plug on it because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, life is short. Uh, I wasn't, again, I wasn't sleeping very well. I was stressed. I was, I remember being in Argentina and completely missing out on a tour of Buenos Aires to, uh, to deal with this particular project. And yes, as an entrepreneur, there are certain times where you are going to need to sacrifice uh, time or an experience in order to work on your business. And I completely get that and support that. But when I was taking a step back from that moment, it made me realize that this was going in a direction that I didn't want to go with my life. And just because I had already invested uh, quite a lot of money at that point in making this work doesn't mean that it was worth continuing to invest. So that was probably, uh, that was the lowest point. Uh, and it was uh, a testament to some of the people that I'm now very close with that they recognized uh, certain other skills within me, but also things that I wanted to do. And I started to value the people I was working with more rather than just uh, trying to really build something and say it was a success just because my name was attached to it. Hashtag blessed. Um, you made me very uncomfortable but, uh, there, man. That was like, whoa. <laughs> nice. Oh, just you, just you wait. Okay. We're getting you uncomfortable wait. today. All right. We're getting should've... uncomfortable. That's, people need to see how you are when you're uncomfortable, right? That's okay. To I'm you. totally, I'm totally okay with being uncomfortable. That's again, another change that's come since this podcast. So I want to, I want to touch on a few things that you were saying there. I think that you've made an extreme change since since I've started working with you and it feels like just the way that you started taking things and incorporating things is so different. It's like night and day. Um, it's, and I can feel it on the interaction with me, on your interaction with the world. I remember you having like this fork in the road and yeah, you were so confused, but you know, it's the thing is, and just being in, in Bali really, really teaches me that, is that, you know, life puts things in front of you for a reason. And if you see things again and again and again and again and again, there's the reason that you see these things, right? And there is a reason that these things are happening. And we're not going to go woo on that because it's not woo. It's just like fact. If you're, if, 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 uh, you see something all the time, it means that your system is geared towards it and you either need to gear yourself the other way or you need to go through it. Um, th these are the two options that are possible. And, and I feel like, you know, you were probably presented with this thing of, you know, I've invested so much in this, so what do I do now? But 
the thing is you you haven't just invested in it people who you know uh, um go and learn sales and then go work as videographers they haven't wasted wasted all that that money because now they know how to sell what they photograph or what they yeah. what they get captured right so it's it it always integrates and and i think that people forget it and say oh that was a waste or whatnot but it's just it, it it's in the end it just gives you more depth in my opinion that's what i'm trying to say all these investments just give you more experience and depth yeah, um, you're you're 100% correct Roy. like everything that i did during that point though at the time i regarded it as a failure it's only come really back full circle and I can use those experiences both with people, but also in building businesses, right? Because I know that going down a certain path won't work or that this tool will be very effective for this solution. So well said. Yeah. And that the the person you're working with might be toxic to you and to himself. You can yep. know it by like, if you see them uh, eating McDonald's every day, you know that they're probably not doing similar things to what you're doing. So you're kind of, that might be a red flag for you. It's just, there are so many things, you know, that I can, that I can tell you about you that, that, I mean, yeah, I I feel like you're super, super, um, it's, it's a point on thing to say. And and it's, uh, a lot of people are going through similar things. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. you for opening up, but if we're talking about opening up, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you maybe even open the kimono a bit more. Would you be able to tell us about one of your um, plant medicine experiences <laughs> and get and get kind of specific? And you don't, you know what? If you don't want to get specific, uh, I, it's totally understandable. But maybe a big yeah. takeaway. Or yeah, no, it's um... the setting. The setting settings would be cool. Okay. Um. Look, one of the first times I ever microdosed was how I arrove, arrived at, arrived is not really a word, I arrived at making the decision to pull the plug on that business. Uh, but let's go into some of those uh, those journeys, if you will. The first time or the first experience I ever had with DMT, uh, I was in a, a setting with somebody who is very uh, trained in how to uh, to deal with therapeutic situations, um, particularly in using these various modalities that some people term as plant medicine. And uh, that journey, if you will, was an incredibly painful one for me. Uh, it, you know, you're sitting there and with DMT when your eyes are closed is where you go off into various states. Uh, but when your eyes are open, it's almost like you know life is normal a little bit again. But I kept my eyes closed the, the first time or the whole time. And this was the first time I've ever done it. And I think there there's this uh, statement out there of something, uh, you can have a bad trip. And one of the things that I've learned in doing these journeys is just a, a, perspe- a different perspective. So in this particular situation, again, the first time I've done DMT, I'd had numerous experiences with other psychedelics at that point, but DMT in itself was a, a new one. 
And I was going through and you start to see like the sacred geometry and various images, etc. And then it got very, very quiet and got physically painful. And I began to sort of hear a lot of the, um, a lot of these stories that I had run through my head over and over again. And uh, those stories were in regards to what other people thought of me, uh, what they, what their perspective was of either the things I was creating in the world or the uh, choices that I've made to perhaps leave finance or the, uh, the general need of external validation. And that was in my mind at the time, a very bad experience. It was incredibly painful physically. Like my chest was starting to seize up and I kept hearing these voices run through my head, et cetera, et cetera. And that actually wasn't in hindsight, a bad trip. It was showing me what I needed to work on. And if you kind of go into these journeys, if you will, with the idea of a good or bad outcome, you can uh, you can miss out on a lot of the the learnings from it and so at the end again i was very fortunate that i was working with somebody who knew what they were doing and uh, could uh, talk me through what it meant for me in a therapeutic setting but that shift in perspective to okay i just had this bad trip and all of these things that i had been working on are now coming to the surface and I uh, clearly thought I had dealt with these already, but I hadn't, to now, okay, let's focus on why you need the external validation. Why uh, is it important uh, what uh, other people think of you, et cetera? That was an incredibly, part, part of the integration afterwards, right? And getting into uh, more, uh, just looking at that that trip and saying, okay, it wasn't a bad trip because it brought up all this stuff. It just showed you what you needed to work on. And that one line, and it was one line that the person said to me afterwards, changed the entire experience. It went from being, okay, this was a miserable, however many hours it was, to, okay, now I have something that I know I need to work on. And since that point, it's actually become less of a, a driver in my life, external validation that is. like Yes, there's this constant battle with the ego, but in that moment, uh, yeah, I was, I was struggling very hard. But since that moment, I've gone down this path of, okay, what do I want, Right. What do I as a person in this world want to accomplish and what is important to me rather than me going out and doing things to either, uh, you know, impress my father or to impress the people around me. It's more been about, okay, what do I want in order to live a more fulfilling life? And for me, that was again, incredibly painful in the moment because you spend all this time and I've already alluded to how much money that I've spent in this space trying to uh, deal with these anxieties, deal with this need for external validation. And I think a lot of people in this space uh, do have uh, a, a need for external validation and it's reinforced through areas like social media, et cetera. But 
getting to a space after that journey whereby it was more, okay, what do I want to create in this world? Because I know I'm pretty talented. I know I have uh, a functioning brain and I know I have certain interests. And that, that lesson was invaluable to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, wow. That was a... Uh... That was how long ago? Uh, slightly over a year. Actually, maybe even a little less. Uh, it was probably more like 10 months ago. So, yeah, people might have, I feel like there was, you know, there was a time when uh, um, you started bringing more uh, diverse, let's just say diverse, uh, diverse type of uh guess and I think it was probably that time where it was get, getting uh, a bit less and less science and to me it was just like so exciting because you know as as an audio editor I, I, I have to be as subjective as possible and I have to kind of see things from the side and you know sometimes keep my mind shut uh, my mouth shut and it's just to me because I always have to go through this audio and listen to it. And I love, and I don't work with people who are not interesting to me. It's just so fascinating to see how people go through these transitions. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like around, around a year ago, if people look back is when you started really opening the spectrum up. And to me, it was like, Oh, this, this podcast is, is gaining a totally different groove now. Like this yeah. is we're going we're going on another level because we're getting geeky about stuff, but we're also really opening up the kimono, uh, as you would like to say. Yeah, um, you you know my phrase as well, right? And I think again, it was more opening up the kimono to say I don't have to be like I don't have to have this particular guest on because they're going to get me a lot more attention or a lot more views. I can go and select the people that I want to speak with and the people that really um, ignite me from both an intellectual and personal perspective. And that allowed me to, it was almost like a freeing sense, if you will. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's, um, it's as if it kind of ignited something that, 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 that should have been there but you know like but you had to go through it to kind of open that up mm-hmm. and yeah i find that i find that insane i i really you know and for the people you know listening and wanting to do these kinds of, ex- of experiences i think that you would agree with no rush like no no freaking rush. If you've gotten exposed to it through this podcast or through other podcasts that you listen to, I feel like uh, an important thing to to have a, a disclaimer about is don't go looking for it anywhere. If if it if it if it needs to happen to you, it'll it'll draw you in. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just you know this is just my experience. What what's your experience with it like? In terms of just psychedelics in general. No, in terms of like this uh, uh, calling to action, you know, where yeah. people are like, "Whoa!" They heard this story about the uh, about your your experience, and they they're like, "Oh, that's cool." Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm just saying is probably the 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 seed is planted right now. Yeah, 
but don't rush into it. Exactly. Uh, a very good point. So first I, I want to acknowledge something. Uh, I am an experimenter and explorer and uh, I waited for a very, very long time before using um, psychedelics, plant medicine and theogens, whatever the term is. And it was only when I had a trusted partner that I felt comfortable or a trusted uh, therapist, if you will, that I felt comfortable going down this journey. I'm also of the view that these are not for everybody. And they certainly don't need to be used by everybody. And that's perfectly okay. But what I do uh, want people to embrace is the idea that there is uh, these alternatives out there that you can explore. And again, if you have the right set and setting and the right guide, they can be very, very powerful uh, for particular uh, issues, but also discoveries. Uh, a big one that uh, actually I had a, uh, I had a little chakra reading here mm-hmm. and uh, the person, it was like in a mountain and super spiritual place and people who are tapped in, like I've, I've, I probably haven't, haven't seen this, this type of human beings in my life. Uh, but he was like, you know, don't, uh, um, you're doing well don't look for the mentors. The mentors will show up. The teacher will show up and it comes, you know, that's where the, the sentence comes from, from uh, uh, when the student is ready to teach and the teacher will come. And I think it's so, 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 so fundamental yeah. to these types of medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to, I want to take it to uh, another kind of uh, another, another, you're you're uh, doing good at like getting very very personal here, man. This is this is fun, I, but damn uncomfortable. It's fun too. Okay, so do you want to let's let's? I'll, I'll give you the privilege because uh, I've I've gotten pretty personal with you. Would you like to answer another personal question? Or I'll go. Are we dealer's choice? Dealer's choice. Wherever you want to go. There we go. Okay. So trauma and its relation to health. What's your opinion about that? Uh, of course, like it has a huge effect on health. I think at a so trauma can come in different forms, right? Uh, trauma can be uh, what we traditionally think of trauma as sort of a a, a PTSD like event. Um, it can come in subtler forms with how you were treated as a child or even an experience you had where maybe you had a panic attack on stage or something like that. Of course, it has a huge impact on health. And I think we're just now, I mean, look, we're not just now. Psychology has been around for a long time. Psychiatry has been around for a long time. And there is a lot of discussion within those realms about mental health and traumas and how it impacts our lives, et cetera. Uh, But now we're starting to become more open about discussing these things as a society and how they've created blocks from living our, our most fulfilling lives. And if there's a trend that, uh, look, I pay attention to trends both in terms of business, but just in terms of news trends, if there's a trend that I look at and say like, hey, that's pretty cool, it's this open discussion about mental health. Now, 
do I think that trend is as big as it needs to be? No. In certain circles, you are still encouraged to uh, not discuss mental health, to uh, never let them see you sweat, to uh, using the Nelly term, <laughs> actually. And I think trauma is a very important discussion that needs to happen. There's a book out there called The Body Keeps the Score, which I haven't read, but uh has been recommended to me by numerous people that are um, are interested in this sort of thing. I've instead spoken to a lot of the therapists and a lot of the people using these modalities like plant medicine to uh, reveal traumas and to uncover and deal with those traumas and uh, I guess uh, de-energize them. So prevent them from taking over your life. And I think it is a, a very good trend in society that we talk about mental health. Yes, agreed. So I want to take it into a bit of a, of a, you know what, it's the same direction, but it's like, is there anything, any like pet peeve or anything like that, that you still have that you're still kind of dealing with as we speak? <laughs> of course, right? Uh, we all have our individual uh, things that we're working on. And you're talking about a pet peeve that I have specifically that I want to deal with. Let's say it can be a light thing as well. Like for me, I, I, I really, I really don't understand the concept of cheers. It pisses me off. So of, maybe of something cheers? like, it, it can, yeah, like cheers. Like, <laughs> cheers. I just don't, uh, the, the concept of, and somebody please enlighten me about that. Um, if uh, one of the listeners knows, I know that it comes from uh, ancient culture yeah. and from people banging the glass. And uh, so there's not, so if somebody has any poison, so they don't spill it in the glass, but mm -hmm. I think it, it, it got to me, it just like, it symbolizes nothing at all. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway. let's, let's go with, there'll be the surface level one and then there'll be a slightly bigger one. So uh, a f surface level pet peeve of mine is people who chew with their mouth open. Um, that is, oh dri drives me bonkers. Uh, in certain <laughs> cultures, it's encouraged. For instance, in Japan, if you go to uh, a ramen shop and you don't slurp your noodles as you're eating them, it's a sign to the chef that he didn't do a good job. So I've become a little bit more accepting of that in particular <laughs> cultural situations. But in general, like biggest pet peeve is people chewing with their mouth open. Uh, at a... Another level, slightly down, um, and this occurs a lot in this health sphere, is uh, when one person says something, particularly a person of influence, it seems like the message gets repeated over and over and over again. Uh, and in a lot of cases, it may not be true. <laughs> and this yeah. is uh, the case with certain products, but also just the language that people use to talk about uh, certain things. And you kind of see this in the, the spiritual AF crowd, right? They all use similar language to describe something. And if you get them one-on-one, -on -one, either they won't be able to explain it or they... Yep. Uh, tend to uh, have a different experience than what they're showing on the various social medias. So that's a, a, a much bigger pet peeve and slightly less surface level. Yeah, I really respect that about you. And, uh, you know, like everything that you endorse, you actually uh, take part in, which is, mm -hmm. uh, is, I've worked with a lot of podcasts 
and it's not the case every time. Yeah. Uh, people people recommend things that they don't 100% uh, 100% support by themselves, um, yeah. and that's uh, a thing that happens. And I respect you for that, by the way. Thank if you. Boomer, if Boomer had a billion dollars, um, what would you allocate it to? And you can only spend it in one day. And I can only spend it in one day. Um, yeah. No, look, no investment, no investment funds or anything like that. You've got to spend it <laughs> that, on, that's a on, on real things. Yeah. Uh, Look, a lot of my actions today are involving uh, all, everything kind of lines up to one similar mission, which is how do we move the needle on health or how do I elevate the human experience or what we're doing here on this planet through health? And so if I'm going to spend it, it's going to be allocated towards that goal. Now, how would I break that down? I, I do think uh, there is a hell of a lot of education that needs to be made around health um, and particularly and particularly money. And we're doing some of that, uh, the health component as well, uh, through health optimization medicine and practice, which is a nonprofit that I'm involved in. And so I'd allocate a certain portion of money to that and boosting its presence and influence. The good thing about having a billion dollars and in today's society is that if you have a billion dollars and you're a billionaire, you have a certain level of influence and people will listen to you. So I would use that money or the perception of having that money first to gain that influence within the spheres that make uh, tides really change. And I would allocate a decent portion of it towards that health education and making sure that uh, that that grew. And I would spend the rest of it on either creating products, services, or uh, or experiences that help enhance elevating that human experience through health. Because uh, for me, if you can change the health of this planet, even by a few degrees, uh, we will have completely different outcomes. We know that health influences decision-making, uh, which is going to be, it's becoming incredibly more crucial and incredibly um, more important as we have some of these more frontier technologies uh, coming into the world. And if uh, we can influence health decision-making improves, the way we treat each other improves, uh, the way we will probably look at this planet improves, and the way, uh, you know, just in general, we're able to navigate the challenges that we face will improve. So uh, give me a billion dollars and I'll allocate it all towards that mission. You'll you'll spread it pretty wide. You'd probably need uh, all these twenty four hours for for that because it's a lot, it's a lot of things. Um, if you're telling me I only have twenty four hours, then I'm probably going to pull an all nighter in this case, which I don't advocate normally. <laughs> but it, it's actually it's actually quite hard to spend a billion. It's probably not hard, but I wouldn't spend it frivolously, right? Like maybe I would buy maybe I would buy a house that I could live in, but other than that, I I would. Uh, definitely allocate it more towards that mission. Mm. Yeah, and also, you know, being realistic, buying a house in 24 hours is 
probably not the best uh, <laughs> place to go. But no, um, no. real estate aside, we'll probably have uh, an episode about that at some point mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, you're kind of, um, because of the, the realm of things that we're experiencing. But mm-hmm. what's something really exciting that has happened to you in these, in these episodes, what, what is something that, that maybe the podcast has caused? What's something really exciting that, that happened that you remember yourself like being like a kid, you know, um, as a result or, or just in this time period. If you actually look at, let's look at the overall journey uh, on the podcast and you remember me remember me from the early days i was quite wound tight right and there were certain ways that i would react to people there are certain things that i would get stressed about and that in general has has dissipated in the sense that uh, you know okay yeah i still get stressed there's still uh, things that i'm dealing with like the villa owner and Bali, where I was supposed to have my wedding, that that are kind of frustrating. Uh, but at the same time, there's been a uh, a de-emphasis on that, meaning that it comes and it kind of bounces off of me, and so it's a little a lot more resilient. Now, if I were to look at particular conversations where I left that and I was like, "Wow, I just uh, I feel like a kid again," or something uh, of that nature, and I think overall you can kind of see I've come back to this. Uh, youthful plainness in a way and having fun because I don't think a hundred episodes ago we would have had a similar conversation that we are having now. But if we These guys, go, people don't even know. They probably know, but they, they don't even know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if we look at specific conversations and ones that have lit me up, uh, each conversation uh, light and lights me up in different ways. So if you look at uh, conversations with guys like Francisco Gonzalez Lima, uh, Neil Grunberg, those light me up because they are at the absolute top of their field in their specific, very specific fields. And just learning from them, I feel like I'm back in university, but in a class I actually fucking like. And so mm-hmm. in a way I've crafted the podcast to be sort of a university for me and for all the listeners. But instead of having it be psychology 101, where you're sitting there with 700 people and nobody really enjoys the lecturer, you're sitting there and you're enjoying a one-to-one intimate conversation with these people. And I get to ask the questions that I want to ask rather than listening to a standard form lecture. That's great. And I think that's an overall theme for the podcast. Um, There's, I'm just trying to think of one or two where I've sat there and just been almost in awe at the the conversation itself. Um, I enjoy conversations with Dave Rabin quite a lot. And he's at, at the kind of frontier of this psychiatry east meets west uh psychedelics movement even and a lot of those conversations have gone unrecorded and are uh, really just fun he's a fun guy to talk to because he is so knowledgeable but he's very good at distilling a message in something people understand um then there are people i'm trying to think of who's an example recently that I've spoken to. Um, There are people like Dominic D'Agostino that despite his level of authority on something like the ketogenic diet, 
I can have a conversation with him about weightlifting and uh, meal structure that all makes sense and is just a lot of fun. Uh, again, those are conversations where I leave and I, I'm sort of at a state where it's just like, oh, I, I just had the chance to talk to that person. And it was little old me three years ago who decided to take this to start a podcast. And at first I was like, I don't know if anybody will talk to me. And now I'm getting access to some of these top people in the world. Um, the, the one that actually sticks out most and has been a big theme in my life since that conversation was with Greg McEwen. And he wrote a book called Essentialism. I think he's come out with a book since then called Effortless. And I remember getting off of that podcast and we stopped uh, the the recording. And it was around one of these times where I was uh, involved in way too many projects and a couple of our mutual friends helped me kind of shoot those some of those down. And he just said to me, he's like, seems like you're going to have some tough conversations in the near future. And I didn't even think I hinted at much in that podcast episode, but I remember that just that phrase and I took it away. And I think in the next six months from then, I went from having 20 plus projects down to maybe five or six. And so that, that one was, was very powerful. Mm. Oh yeah. That's, uh, I feel like that would, would have answered my next question was what's one thing that you were kind of like one exciting thing that, that happened to you in that time, which I think, you know, you can, it's uh, probably your, your marriage would come into that and, you know, just like things in your, in your personal life. But I feel like that point, I remember that point in your life where you were like, I'm probably going to be losing, uh, I'm probably going to be losing a lot of uh, so-called money, but I'm actually going to do something that's way more impactful. And you know what, I've, I've watched the, the, the documentary on Gaia called uh, Finding Joe and it's about the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. It's like super cringe. I mean, it's, if, if, you're, if you're a person that doesn't like these kinds of things, I'm, I mean, I couldn't watch The Secret, but I could watch this um, yeah. because it was just talking about the fundamental of finding your bliss and going for it and the rest will kind of fix itself. And I feel like that's what you did at that point. So that's a really, really exciting thing that, uh, that have happened in your, in your career that I was witnessing that it's, it's just crazy, um, from a standpoint like this, you know, to be, uh, um, you know, you are the, the little man and then you become the big man without even knowing, you know, you're yeah. starting to do like keynotes and you're starting to actually, uh, um, get your face out there um, because of these connections that you've created. And you know, to me, it's really a way more stand-up boomer than it was in the beginning. It's like you're, you're standing up so much taller. You're, you're, you're speaking so much more confident. You're not hiding. You're just like this, this genuine dude. You're not doing anything with the motive. You're just going towards something. So that's mm-hmm. something incredible that people have to to really tune into because you have done an insane process which Thank you. i i i i, I want to um, 
I want to leave the crowd with uh, this question, and it's another. It's a, it's. I wouldn't say it's a it's a personal one, but it's uh, a, it's 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 the curveball that I'm sending you, and if you'd have to write a book about your experience from these two hundred episodes, what would it be called? <laughs> um. I mean, part of me says it'll be inappropriate to call it anything other than decoding superhuman. But uh, <laughs> what I would emphasize a little bit more is the decoding aspect of it. Because initially when I came up with the name, I mean, I, I think I just told the story before where I was sitting there with a whiteboard and I was writing down names on a whiteboard and putting words together and just seeing what .com was available. And we eventually arrived at decoding superhuman, right? Uh, I, I'm not joking. <laughs> there was, I remember putting together names and one of the other names that I was tossing up because the .com was also available was fixing broken, but that didn't really have the message that I was looking for. And uh, what I was, uh, you know, when I came up with decoding superhuman, there was this idea of becoming the, the Ubermensch, if you will. And if anything, over the course of the 200 episodes, um, I've kind of realized that superhuman is obviously individual for, for superhuman, for certain people, a superhuman can mean just being able to get out of bed during the day and not having to deal with things like chronic fatigue. Uh, for others, it could mean running or doing whatever Simone Biles is going to attempt to do in Tokyo, uh, those kind of things. But for me, uh, the emphasis really becomes on, on decoding and uh, decoding a process and decoding uh, just tactics, tools that people, including myself, can use in everyday life to just uh, kick more ass, to do whatever it is they need to do better, and just decoding really what superhuman is for you. And uh, if I were to call the book anything, it would probably be uh decoding superhuman or you know what let me rephrase that question let me yeah. reframe that question what would what would the tagline be like underneath the the decoding superhuman so what you know like there's yeah uh uh, uh, uh unfuck yourself the art of uh, not uh blah 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 okay what would that be uh, you know, unfuck yourself is a great one. Uh, yeah, unfuck yourself is a good one. But uh, learning to enjoy the journey is where I would probably leave it because there, again, we live in an achievement-based society, or at least most Western societies are uh, achievement goal-based society, and uh, even the way our work is structured, where we work to this idea of retirement and then we're going to enjoy life, that all is supportive of not really enjoying the journey and getting, uh, hopefully getting to this illusory destination at some point in the future in which you may die in a few years anyway. And so for me, the entire, uh, the entire experience has been about learning to enjoy the journey or staying present hmm. so decoding superhuman and enjoying it exactly huh. 
Okay. Okay. Nice. Maybe we need to work okay, on that one before it. we have a New York Times bestseller on our hands. Uh, uh, I mean, you did you, you did uh, pull off a few moves that not a lot of people would uh, would even try. So you never know. You never know, right? Actually, I can I can re rack. Let me re rack on this one because I think there's um, there's a better title that could be at hand here. If you look at uh, the structure of the podcast over the past 200 episodes. Uh, what I've done is uh, looking to understand the way people tick, the way technologies tick, the way chemicals tick in order to help us live healthier, higher performing lives. And over the course of that 200 episodes, you derive certain insights, you derive uh certain processes, you derive certain plays that you can make in order to live a healthier and higher performing life. And so I would call it the playbook really. And then I would subtitle it learning to enjoy the journey because again, we have uh, the, these societal structures that take away from the moment uh, that we're living in and have us focus on the future. And a really one of the biggest lessons for me in doing this has been uh, moving back from those very far reaching goals in the future to a point where you're enjoying the journey in the moment, still have those goals, but you're enjoying the journey in the moment. And a lot of what I've tried to do is give people points, tidbits, tactics, tools to help them come back to that state. Yep. All right. Um, anyone that wants that uh, book, you can uh, pre-order it today on Amazon. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, you know, it's, I, it's, again, I'll encourage people who listen to this and have got this, have gotten this far, just like hit you up and let you know that, because you know I can't wait to see what a book that you write would uh, uh, would look, sound, and feel like. Because you have it all um, when you when you write a book these days. And you know, if somebody else feels like me out there, then um, then hit hit our boy up. Um, uh, you are off. You are off the the hot seat. You are off the curveballs. You are off. Oh. Um, the these are the questions that I thought would be would would actually touch a lot of the things that you've been through and uh, and I'm I'm so grateful to have gone through this with you, man. So so wow. thank you for being not, who you are and doing what you do. And, and thank you. And dude, we're not stopping anytime soon. So I hope you're up for a further ride. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. But thank you for everything you've done, Roy. You've uh, you really changed the show, and uh, you you constantly push me to be better, to record better, to ask better questions, to explore different opportunities. So thank you. Love you, brother. I give you a hug, but you're fucking far away right now. And, <laughs> and, and, and it and it's COVID, and we probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> 
we're gonna we're gonna link we're gonna link it's gonna happen um mm-hmm. we're, we're too with we're we're too close to for that not to happen exactly all right, homies, uh, superhumans, everybody who's listening, if you want to check out the show notes for this one, decodingsuperhuman.com slash 200. Roy, thank you for being a part of everything and we'll shout at you guys soon. Thank you.